this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. It's the same thing day after day. Settle in after a hard day's work to catch some Jerry Springer when, boom, gas comes pouring in, fumigation tents come down, and all of a sudden you want to just burst out and sing some share. In that cases like that, insurance is incredibly important. And that's why this week's sponsor on the Bloom Files are our friends over at Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. Truth is out there. And here, who knows? But either way, we are opening up the Bloom Files here on Post Show Recaps and X Files First Watch slash Rewatch Podcast. Hi, everybody. Mike Bloom here to unpack two very unique episodes of the X Files. Two mouths here to talk about it, <laughs> but only from one person. I mean, two people. Two people. Uh, is that the big reveal that Angela and I were just two mouths talking out of it's one disgusting. person? Disgusting. Um,. I don't want to be that. <laughs> would you rather be that or would you rather be crossbred with some sort of farm animal? Um, The second, because I've just been watching Sweet Tooth on Netflix. Which so, is so you're not like, that. But this is the normal. This is what I want to be now. No, I don't want to be it, but I understand it. <laughs> you can sympathize. I can with sympathize. It. Well, these are two episodes that allows us to sympathize with a number of weirdos mm-hmm. in a manner of speaking. So we're talking season five, episode three. Unusual Suspects and Season 5, Episode 5, and Angela Bloom's favorite episode of The X-Files, The Postmodern Prometheus. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, this is like the week that I've been most excited about. You know, the last couple of weeks I've been watching these episodes being like, dang, it's not this week If yet. only it was this one. Yeah, so I'm pretty pumped. Yeah, I mean, these were two very fun episodes. I think I'm realizing that I would rather watch Freaky than Mm -hmm. Scary. Well, yeah. And not to say that those episodes that we watched in season four in particular weren't, like, very well done. But these were two episodes that I really enjoyed. Yeah, they're interesting. There's, like, a... There's a plot. There's, like, a mystery. There's a plot with all of them. No, but you know what I mean? There's, like, a mystery. There's something to be discovered. Whereas I think the other ones are very much so, like, action-oriented. And I'll I'll be honest. As much as I really liked the three-parter from last week, it's nice to always take some time away from, like... Yeah, nice little one and uh, done. Are aliens real? But are they not? (laughs) Is the government in on it? are they not? And I feel like sometimes you get very intense into the character arcs in those episodes, whereas this one was a nice, light um, character arc 
sort of filming. Yeah, I mean, Mulder and Scully really, I mean, literally take a backseat in the, in the first episode here. Well, but yes. the second one, like, it really isn't about them. No. And the first one, they're, Mulder's in it a bit, but he's really not in it at all. Right. And that's because they're filming the movie. Yeah, so let's get into that. So the unusual suspects. So yeah, this was born out of the idea that David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson were still filming the movie. <laughs> yes. And so they're like, oh, we need something. Hey, let's do a Lone Gunman origin episode. Yeah, and so uh, this ended up being um kind of a unique episode where it was very like law and ordery and it actually I mean, literally is, literally <laughs> um but yeah i guess it it served as like a little bit of a crossover episode apparently like with the episode where richard belzer's detective john munch character is actually like that's his character in this too yeah so that's we we gotta talk about that that sort of is the elephant in the room because <laughs> yeah. this, and this is happened, i guess they exist in the same universe <laughs> sort of but this happens with multiple shows like this yeah. has been so this is richard Belzer's character you would assume it's from law and order but no it's from a homicide, homicide. life on the street uh but he has appeared in so many yeah. other shows. this is his character this is what he does yeah and so they just i think a lot of just like the tv I don't know, the the TV inner cabal is just like, wouldn't it be funny if we bring this character onto, yes, like, every, every show? show? It's, it's it's like that sort of theory that, uh, like, the TGIF shared mm-hmm. universe, right? That, like, when you have Urkel appear on this other show, that means that it's in the same universe, and then it just sort of branches Yeah, but I think that. that the John Munch character is in every universe. Right, exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's more so, like, this John... Maybe he's, like, you know, the Watcher from the Marvel universe, and that, like, yeah, he's, he's on everywhere. mission and can hop between the multiverse. Or maybe, maybe it is all part of the same universe. But yeah, that was wild, especially because this was not a show on the same network. Nope. As Homicide Life. <laughs> but on I the guess street. that he was like very well recognized. So they just wanted to use him. Yeah, Brendan Fitzpatrick told me actually that uh, that Richard Belzer himself is actually like a pretty big conspiracy guy. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Like, I see that. I, like, apparently he penned a book about it. And oh, really? So I do wonder, I mean, we're going to get into celebrity They're guest appearances. They're here! They're here! Yeah, uh, he's here. We're going to get into celebrity guest appearances in both of these episodes. Yes. But I do find it interesting that, like, I don't know if this was them approaching Richard Belzer or Richard Belzer's like, I gotta be on this show. I've got things to say, man. Maybe a little bit of both. But it's fun that he's playing a character that doesn't believe in it at all. Exactly. <laughs> he um, thinks it's like been, a bunch of bullshit. He's the best actor in the world. Yeah. So let's get into Unusual Suspects because it takes place in 1989. Good year. The year yeah. of both of our births. Yes, we were born in 1989. Do we know what... Or can we assume it's sort of like month this takes no, place? No, how would we know that? I don't know. I mean, the clothes. <laughs> when do these conventions usually take place for the FCC? Maybe it did say it, and we just missed it. Yeah. Well, anyway, we're back in 1989, uh, and we start in media res here, right? We're mm-hmm. like, do you see a SWAT team breaking into an industrial park? Uh, there's a for a moment an obscured naked guy under. Yeah, a box. you didn't realize this was Mulder at first, but I knew. I mean, not only did I know because I've seen the episode, but like his voice is so recognizable. I can't believe you didn't realize it was him. I, I guess I just don't. I'm not used to David Duchovny yelling so oh, much that like it seems you'll get used foreign to, it. to me. You'll get uh, used, I'm used to, to it. You know, David Duchovny's really low talking, mm, monotone mm-hmm, speaking. Mm-hmm, that like when he raises his voice above a certain decibel, it's it's not recognizable. Especially to him me. yelling there here. Yeah. They're here! They're here! They're here! Uh, meanwhile, the lone gunmen are, you know, found not too far away, and they're yeah. going to get detained here. And this is also when we find out that, obviously, these guys either, like, barely know each other, yeah. uh, you know, because Langley's calling Frohickey Doohickey mm-hmm. at this point. 
Yeah, and so they're captured by the police, basically. Yeah, they basically get arrested, right? Yeah. They're like, what at are this you point, doing we don't. We we'll find in. out at the at the end of the episode what actually happens, but yeah, yeah, because there's also like they find some blood on the the mm-hmm. grounds. So they're like, you you guys are in a lot of trouble. Tell us what happened here. Yeah, they're also like, you broke into a warehouse, but nothing's been stolen. What's the deal? Like, yeah. What and are so you doing that, here? It also should be noted that the one guy they pull aside here is Byers, mm-hmm. who now I finally recognize, right? Byers yes. is the one in the suit. And He's we'll a buyer. Out, and, we'll, and we'll find out this episode is like, uh, probably I would say the most naive yes. out of all of them, or at and least the most in 1989 he was. Well, so in 1989, he really was not a conspiracy theorist, whereas no. Byers and Langley are very much so in the space of like a hacker sort of like going against the mm-hmm. norm. Um, but yeah, John Fitzgerald's Byers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it's, he wasn't always you know, he was always in the proximity of the uh, the the conspiracy of it all because I he guess was, so. He works he for the government. In, he was born on eleven twenty two sixty three, and he was mm-hmm. named after the JFK assassination. Right, like the apple's not right. going to fall too far from the tree. I guess so, but he seems like a very conservative type of like normal dude. What works I, for the FCC? Like, can you get more boring? Well, what I do find interesting, and Spencer makes note of this as well, is that it's billed to be right a uh, a lone gunman mm-hmm. flashback episode. It's really focused on buyers. Yes, and it's it really, a buyers. And it really seems like Frohickey and Langley were just like, they, it's not like they're just there, but we find out much less about them, I think, and much more about yeah, buyers. Yeah, buyers is narrating the whole thing. So the whole episode is like taking place in flashback because yeah. buyers is telling the detective what happened. And, which I find a unique choice because, I mean, I don't know if this is, uh, commonly held belief, but I think if I'm power ranking the three lone gunmen, I think Byers is at the bottom for me. Uh, just because, like you said, he did seem a little more milk toast. So I find it an interesting choice to be like, I know you're interested in these other two guys, but we're really going to focus well, on Well, you guy. have to remember, if Byers is talking, you're probably believing him, whereas if Langley and Frohick are talking, you're like, I don't know if that's actually what happened. You know, in the episode where Frohick is even in basically doing f- a media res about the cigarettes oh, right. that's man, true yeah yeah, yeah. then uh, um you know we're we still weren't sure if that was true whereas if buyers is the the narrator then i don't know i believe him yeah so i mean it turns out that buyers like you said working for the fcc seems like they're at like some sort of they are know, at a computer and electronics convention i was about to say it's probably an electronics convention right this was uh this before, was big before you know gamers took over the concept of e3 this mm-hmm. is basically the pre-e3 yes exactly uh, and so buyers is sort of being a shill for the FCC, mm-hmm. while Frohickey and Langley are competitors in the bootleg cable <laughs> industry. Yep, basically selling stolen cable television converters. Yeah, you you remember this back in the I day, do. Right? Oh, yes. I mean, I know, again, we were born in this year, but I feel like even when we were young, yeah, in the, the 90s. concept of stealing cable still was a thing. Yeah, where you could like um, put in something or use an antenna or yeah, or like yeah. what they were selling was essentially like this a little converter. Like, yeah, this like little like metal box that you hook into, and essentially it would like steal radio waves or whatever. Yeah, I don't know how it works, but I guess they were trying to make money off of this idea. Yeah, uh, and so what's going to bring buyers in a la a film noir right it's mm-hmm. always about a pair of legs and a pair of sunglasses what drives me a little crazy about this episode is well the woman who plays whatever her not act- suzanne modeski no her name is suzanne modeski oh, her right. name is not holly um while the woman who plays her is 
quite beautiful and very pretty. I don't find her to be like Jessica Rabbit, <laughs> like drop dead, drop dead gorgeous to the point where somebody sees her walking across the room and their eyes just like catch. You know, it's mm-hmm. like I don't find her to be that kind of pretty, but I guess maybe it's a 90s pretty. Yeah, <laughs> 90s pretty. I'm not sure because, yeah, I'm inclined to agree. Maybe it's also the way that she was coming across. Like she comes said, across a little dead in the eyes. Exactly. Like <laughs> I think she's trying to bring in that sort of mystique element. Yeah, not but it wasn't it. exactly catching to me. I mean, I guess it works for buyers, evidently. Yeah, I guess he's into that, like, uh, I don't know, very, like, plain Jane, blonde lady vibe. Yeah, but I mean, she hooks him line and sinker mm-hmm. when she basically like sells him the story right of oh i think i have my three-year-old child's been kidnapped by my daughter yeah, she shows him ex. this picture and says that her daughter's been kidnapped by her ex-boyfriend and she's trying to find her daughter but she's running from the ex-boyfriend right um, and then she also says that she has this piece of paper that says arpanet yeah white corp arpanet so i guess i'm assuming that's a real thing but it sounds so freaking doofy. Mm-hmm. It does sound doofy. I guess, I guess because the internet was such a new so concept. So it stands for the Advanced Research Projects Agency Network. Oh, okay. That yeah. makes, I, I like it better as an acronym than just calling it the yeah. Alphanet. Which is part of the United States Department of Defense. Yeah. Yeah, basically it's like an internal network mm-hmm. for the Department of Defense. It uh, was the first wide area packet switch network with distributed control. And one of the first networks to implement IP protocol suite. Oh, thank you, Angelopedia. Well, thank you, Wikipedia. For that deep dive on ARPANET. ARPANET, anyway. I don't know, it sounds like some sort of bug killer, maybe? Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, maybe (laughs) I'm thinking of like, or like ALPO, right? Like ARPANET, maybe Maybe. the dog the dog internet. Anyway, Byers realizes that's what it stands for, the Defense Department's computer network. And But basically... She's like, hack into this for me, please. Well, listen, I think uh, he was thinking with maybe a different type of head that this that has him do something incredibly illegal and yeah. hack into the government internet base. Yeah, and he's like a pretty loyal government employee at this time. So it's kind of weird that he's like, sure. Yeah, though I think maybe what they were hinting at when they introduced him was like, he seemed fairly frustrated with his career. I mean, I think he was bored. Like, yeah, I mean, this he's, is he's, not, he's not as checked out as, as his coworker playing Dig Dug on the computer, but he's like, <laughs> yeah. I think he would definitely, I would imagine he's sort of having that crisis, right? Of like, what am I doing? Right. He's not, he's not fully in on conspiracy theories yet, as you're saying, but he's definitely But he's like, a company man. He's, he's sort of, not like a, he's not questioning like the government at this point. He's just questioning what he's doing with his life. Yeah. So they hack into the Orphanet and they find uh, an encrypted file under the name Suzanne, Suzanne Modeski. Which Holly, quote unquote, claims is her daughter's name. Exactly. She's like, oh, why is this file here? Basically, what she wanted him to do was for him to hack in and get this file. Uh, but, then, <laughs> but then Holly immediately says, like, we've got to hide. It's well, no, no, no. But first, she has him printed out on classic 90s printer like paper the, the dot with the dot paper, matrix paper. The little perforated holes that you tear off on the Loved side and, and feel so satisfying. But yeah, so basically she's like, oh no, quick. And they, they duck down and she's like, that's my boyfriend. And passing by Byers' booth is Mulder. I do love watching babyface Fox Mulder here. I guess it also helps that David Duchovny, like his 
it didn't seem like he's aged much in the past five no, years. No, he hasn't. So, so he, like, he could he could pass reliably for 1989 Fox he, Mulder. Yeah, and he puts on he's. I mentioned this, but he's very good at acting like pre X Files Fox Mulder. Yeah, th- at this point, like you know, when they're gonna look up his file later, right? Like he's like still in good with the FBI. He's still like yes. number one psycho killer chaser. Yeah, uh, he's on the special victim or special crimes unit. Right? Yeah, exactly. So this is before. You know, the the whole hypnotism, mm-hmm. access to the repressed memories. I mean, we're going to find that the lone gunmen are going to become Mulder's enablers, basically. Yeah, basically. But I think that this is, it's very fun when he's like, what? Conspiracy theories. <laughs> so this is where, so we know now that Byers knows at least of Frohickey. And I think Frohickey and Langley know at least a little bit of Byers, right? Like they keep calling him the narc. Yeah. So I think it's clear that they yeah, probably, they probably do this like a sort of like circuit of conventions together right and so like frohickey and langley think of him as like the suit and tie mm-hmm. right and Byers is like well i know this kind of sketchy guy who knows his way around you know yeah uh these the the dark internet dark web as it were and can translate this file yeah, for us can, uh, as frohickey himself will say use his kung fu mm-hmm. so they try to recruit frohickey to help him cipher file but basically frohickey's like I could do this for you, but it will take years. So, or like a really long time. Yeah, so no, why don't we just go attack this guy? Yeah, like just go talk to him directly. And Holly's like, no. Yeah. Meanwhile, there's we a fun, should have been suspicious. There's a fun moment of Mulder sort of mulling around the, mm-hmm. the alien visitors exhibit. Right? Yeah, which is funny. <laughs> but basically, Frohickey and Byers chase down Mulder, and Mulder's like, uh, mm-hmm. oh hey, I'm looking for this lady. Also, I'm with the FBI. Uh, and of course, they're still buying it at the moment. They're like, oh, my God, he's with the FBI. Yeah, <laughs> like this goes deep. Um, but basically, oh, and then they, the guy, the poor guy that um, Byers was at yeah, the convention. Yeah, the poor guy gets, takes the fall. <laughs> yeah, because they find out, like, I guess that was fast tracking of that hack. But yeah. I guess the Defense Department probably has pretty good screens. On I would there. imagine so. And I'm assuming not that many people are accessing the ARPANET outside of government yeah, facilities. So that's like, true. Maybe it's it's a, a pretty fast ping. But also, yeah. why did he have a computer at a convention? That's odd. I'm not sure. I don't know why. Was it to get work done? Yeah, I don't Working know. remotely? Could it be like if... Well, what are they trying to do I think as it's the just, FCC? They're public advocates. So they're just there to say like... Believe in the FCC. Right. So it's not even like signing them up for a mailing no. list. No. I mean, maybe they have a signed sheet where you can get a newsletter, but I don't think that's yeah, like but a that, thing. I think the only thing would be like, oh, yeah, we're going to enter names into yeah. the computer. But maybe. otherwise, I agree. Maybe it's just because they've gone to so many. The Dig Dug guy was like, uh, I like a computer. <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay, you clearly need yeah. it for something. Yeah. And he's using it to play video games, basically. Yeah. Wonder what happened to that guy. He was probably murdered. Maybe. No, he's probably just like put on trial or something and, you know, like murdered. Murdered. Exactly. He ends up going to jail, unlike the lone gunman here. Really fun reveal, especially uh, for the D&D incline, such mm-hmm. as myself, where we get, you know, Langley and all of his fellow nerds. You yeah, point- it looked like they're playing poker. You pointed this out when we watched it. Like, I love the fact that Langley's crew all sort of look like him, right? Yes, they have They're all glasses, like very classic 90s Long nerd. hair. They have like... Freaks and geeks. Stokies look. sticking out of their mouth. And yeah, like you said, it pans around the table to be like... Ooh, this is a high stakes poker game, but it looks like they're not like, I don't know. I couldn't tell if they were playing some sort of game or if they were just making bets on 
Langley rolling a D20 and getting an outcome. Yeah, maybe it's a little bit of both. Like, they're in the middle of a campaign and they decide to do this, like, break where yeah, they like do bad. Yeah, like, oh, I bet you won't crit, you know? Yeah, exactly. So Because yeah. otherwise it would almost be like D&D meets craps. Of, <laughs> oh, I yeah. bet you won't roll this number. They probably are. It's probably a little bit of both. So. Yeah, I, do, I do like Langley's character name, Lord Manhammer. Yeah, that's why I think they are playing a campaign. If I uh, if I ever get another character in the post-show recap Discord D&D, I think I'm going to call him Lord Manhammer. Lord <laughs> Lord Mike Hammer. Lord Mike Hammer. Or Lord Manham Mike. <laughs> Both are good. Both. Lord Manham Mike, Mike Hammer. Yeah, perfect. It's a really big mouthful. Anyway, they're going to see Langley because they're like, we need because, Langley to help hack into the database for the FBI now. Yeah, because his kung fu is the best. Well, because Frohickey's like, what's going on with... When they go to Mulder, they find out Mulder's in the FBI, and they're like, hmm, that's weird. So they're going to go find Langley to help them find more about Holly, because Rohiki has made buyers realize this is like a little... Like, you've been set up, Pally. Or just like, we need to investigate more, you know, like, you can't just go off a pretty face. Yeah, exactly. But I, I do like the use of the word kung fu right this is still very much so in the hacker yeah when did hackers come out i don't know but this is all very hackers like yeah, i mean they're not dressed up like you know matthew lillard and, no. and uh and angelina jolie but no like, but that's like the vibe is like the underbelly of the internet you know people yeah, hackers who, was 1995 so it was only like a few years before this happened. yeah so very much so like that yeah, so they're going to go into this motel room. They're going to find out that, dun, 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 uh, there is no Suzanne Modeski. That's actually. No, there is no Holly. There is a Suzanne Modeski, but it's the same person. It's right, not her exactly. daughter. But this Suzanne Modeski is considered basically like armed and dangerous. Yeah, she's she, wanted for murder, terrorism, and sabotage of a weapons facility. Yeah, because she was previously an employee at this weapons lab, and it yes. said that she. Blew up the lab and killed everybody. Mm -hmm. She's considered unstable and psychotic. Yeah, but she finds them doing this. Yeah, so let's talk about this. Because I was, when we were watching, I was a little confused about how she found them. But you assumed that they invited her? Yeah, I'm assuming that Byers said, oh, we're going to this hotel room, meet us there. Because, like, prior to going and with Langley, that basically, like, they're going to find Langley to, to do some investigating on her. But, like... Byers is under the impression that they're not going to find anything. You know, he's mm -hmm. like, he's like, oh, no, I trust Holly. So he's like, probably told Holly, I'm going to go get this guy, meet us at this hotel room. You yeah. know, like. And also should be pointed out, apparently, uh, I found out that when they were filming this scene where Suzanne comes in, like mm -hmm. she comes to the hotel room, they, you know, they find out that she has a gun. It's yeah. really now this dangerous cliffhanger of oh my god they ran into an unstable individual yeah apparently they were really trying to embody uh one of your favorite films the wizard of oz Ugh, barf you don't like the wizard of i oz. don't it makes me really uncomfortable is there anything in particular that makes you uncomfortable the whole vibe the whole vibe the whole vibe it's just the way that that judy garland talks the the munchkins the weird like flying i don't like it is it because they put a dog in trouble almost immediately? Maybe. That's, I, that's a dog just, that looks much like my dog. Yeah, you're like off the you're off the trail. No, I just don't like the whole vibe. It makes me really like feel icky. Yeah, I hope it, there's someone else out there that feels that way, and I hope I'm not truly. No, I, I, there are some people I know who are not fans of Wizard of Oz. I don't know if it's necessarily for the reasons that you. Ascribe. I get a very weird gut 
feeling about the Wizard of Oz, and it's not good. It's interesting. That's very interesting. <laughs> I don't, and I don't know why. We're, we're we're in color now. We're going to go into black and white next episode. That's so maybe, true. Maybe it's not that. But yeah, I so don't think it's that. Apparently, they you know they were inspired by like the image of oh here's the Scarecrow and the Tin Man and the mm, Cowardly Lion cowering in the corner. I see. And so that's what they they sort of get here. But this is when Suzanne gives her side of the story, right? She's like, yes. you've got to believe me. Yes, I lied. Here's, I used the generic wallet photo for my daughter. Mm-hmm. But basically... The I- government is, basically the government is trying to hunt me down because I have information that they are trying to test mm-hmm. a aerosolized gas that causes paranoia and anxiety on the public in Baltimore. You know what I'm thinking is, Angela, you and I were born in 1989 uh, you and I, I think, are very upfront about our issues with anxiety. Could it be that we have been exposed to this gas in this very potentially? I year? do have asthma as well. <laughs> yeah. So listen, uh, don't go for those inhalers too quickly. Yeah, but no. <laughs> but yeah, so she basically feels like, oh yeah, you know, uh, they're trying to bury me because I know all this information. That's why I needed the file. Yeah, and so basically, she goes to the weapons facility in New Mexico because she thinks that that's where they have the um, the gas, and that's yeah. where all of this happens. Is because she is like trying to like i don't know blow it up and then like blow it up in the matter of um breaking the news not yeah. like not like bombs but <laughs> um, I, what i love is blow up their spot i wh- should say well what i love is up to this point even though frohickey and langley are are more of the the freakier guys compared to buyers nobody believes is, her <laughs> they're not really conspiracy guys it's no. her who really is the the match to start the fuse, right? She's talking yeah. about, like, the government's in on everything. They're they more, put Bibles in the hotels. Yeah, they're more the guys that are just, like, about the internet. Like, the yeah. the dark web and, like, really, like, hacking into stuff. And they're, they're not really, like, thinking... And they probably think the government isn't doing great things, but the conspiracy stuff isn't there yet. And they also... The uh, the thing that they do, uh, I always thought this was really funny about Suzanne Modeski, how she's like, it's aerosolized gas that causes paranoia and anxiety. But it's like, that's exactly what you're saying. Exactly. Like, maybe she, maybe they tested it on her. Yeah, like, like maybe you, yeah, exactly. I mean, to be fair, though, so yes, yeah, you, you think she's going down this weird trail of like, really? Hotel Bibles were are meant to mm-hmm. electronically spy on everyone. But then as they read through her file... They yeah. say that basically, like, the government set up a bug in her dentist's office. She immediately runs off to the bathroom to pull out her tooth. Yeah, this was a wild to, uh, assumption. Re- yeah, to reveal some sort of, like, cathode in it. Yeah, so basically it's a tracking device in a tooth that she has, which is, like, a very wild assumption that you should, like, a, a weird line to draw between they put a bug in my dentist's office to, oh, it's in my tooth. How do you think they did that? Because I'm imagining... A cavity. So you think it's like... Or like a root canal. Well, like I was going to say, it was like pretty darn deep in there. Yeah, maybe she had a root canal and they, you know, a dentist could tell you you need a root canal and you would believe them, right? I would imagine so. You <laughs> don't trust dentists. I guess that's the I lesson I guess that's the lesson, Because yeah. they're putting tracking devices in your body. Yeah. So they find out that this gas is being stored in this nearby warehouse, which, mm-hmm. surprise, surprise, is the warehouse where we open this episode. Uh, and so this is where... They not only come into contact with Mulder, yes. right? Like Mulder finds them, holds them at gunpoint. But here come two other goons, yes. separate from Mulder, to try to take Suzanne. But then, but they so they start firing at Mulder, and they hit the the, the gas. Yeah, they hit basically the asthma inhaler boxes, and the gas is exposed. Mulder's exposed to the gas, which is why he like he starts like tearing off his clothes, <laughs> yeah. where like the anxiety comes. Yeah, from. and he's having like a fit, basically hallucinating. 
um, seeing aliens in the warehouse. Yeah, which again might have been like the very first step here, even yeah. besides the the hypnosis stuff. Yeah. But Suzanne is going to kill the goons uh-huh. while they're distracted with Mulder. But meanwhile, more men arrive. Yeah. So then, while this like humble bassoon plays because mm-hmm. uh, Suzanne is able to get away, leaving yes. the lone gum and just being like, oh, buh, 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 buh. here come, you know, door opens, light floods in. Here comes X, 1989 1989 X. X, it looks exactly the same. I'm surprised at this. I thought, I don't know, m- m- I thought maybe it would have been Deep Throat. So Deep Throat and X are both existing at this time. Mm-hmm. Deep Throat's the one that is going to be the sort of um, playing both sides. At this point, X is not playing both sides. Yeah, X is prominently in the pocket of... of- whoever whoever's representing this gas toting company yeah well he's in the the cover-up conspiracy he's the cleanup syndicate whatever and um and i mean so he basically is somebody who is probably working for the cigarette smoking man at this point because remember he does everything he covers up jfk he does everything yeah and so that's what they're doing right now like speaking of cleaning up they're bagging up the goons even though doesn't one of them say like i'm alive and they still like kill him him basically They they take off them the 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 the, mm-hmm. the, the slate slate of medicine. Well, there's a reason they don't kill Mulder, and that's because X recognizes him as somebody important. Mm-hmm. So he knows who Mulder is already, probably because he works for the cigarette smoking man. So Byers got a lot of cojones mm-hmm. right now, basically confronting X and these people, being like, "What do you think you're doing? You're behind this all. You can't get exactly. away with it." And gets a big old gun pointed mm-hmm. at him and the other lone gunmen. Yeah, exactly. And so he, um, this is how, yeah, I guess at this point, X is just going to let them go. He's going to let them go, but he's going to leave a certain impression, mm-hmm. right? He's going to, uh, you know, he's basically. Right. So Byers is like, you, um, covered up the JFK assassination as well. And X is like, I heard it was a lone gunman. And they're like, oh, that's a great name. That's a great, great name. And then he leaves. Oh, that's. I really like that one. <laughs> but the police then arrive. Then the police arrive, and this is where we get our first scene. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Richard Bell's are not having any of this. Yeah, he's like, that's... Do I look like Geraldo to you? Yes. <laughs> Do I have a mustache? Yeah, so basically he thinks this guy's crazy. He's full of nonsense conspiracy theories. But... But they don't have anything to hold him on, yeah, so... Well, well, it's because Mulder bails yeah. him out. Like, Mulder comes forward. Once he comes to, he comes forward with the story basically saying, like... These guys have nothing to do with it. He's like, yes, all this happened. Like, all these people were there, but these guys are innocent. So let them go. So the the matter of Suzanne Modeski, though, is still on the table. And the lone gunmen are able to realize that she was she's playing to go to the papers, to the papes. To, yeah. to reveal everything. Right. Unfortunately for her, they don't believe her. Which is fair, because it's all crazy sounding. Yeah, I mean, even, you know, especially even back then. Uh, the you can't news- just go to a newspaper and say, I got this amazing story. Not that newspaper. I think you you could go to some of these other publications, right, and be like, I got Places I got that a don't story need to, like, you. verify facts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they're going to meet her on the street, not homicide life on the street. And basically, you know, she kisses buyers. Yeah, which is weird. Saying, oh, thank you for, for everything you've done. And warns them, no matter how paranoid you are, you're not paranoid enough. Mm-hmm. As she tries to run away and gets captured by X and his crew. Yeah, totally. So R.I.P. Suzanne Modeski, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least she's, like, in jail or something. I don't know. I think, again, they're the cleanup crew. They just... 
<laughs> probably asphyxiated a guy who was alive in a body bag. I gotta imagine they killed her at this point. I shan't say anything. Oh, interesting. Well, we end the episode, I think, on a very fun note. It seems like, are they back at the convention center? Yeah, so they have to, basically, they left during the middle of the convention. They have to go clean up their booths. Yeah, that's true, <laughs> you know, uh, as they're sort of ruminating over everything. But Mulder's going to show up. He's going yeah. to tip him off of, oh, yeah, Sud- Suzanne Medeski's no longer wanted, but still missing. It's clear that he is now starting to come a bit He's wide. confused. He basically was told to find this lady because she was a murderer and then told not to because she... Um, it's it's been dropped, and he didn't really give a reason why. Yeah, and so maybe the gas is still lingering in his system a bit, but there's a really fun final shot here, right, where mm-hmm. the lone gunman basically, like, sit down with him and start going into all of their newfound conspiracy theories as right. well, and, like, a, a partnership is born right now. Yeah, and there's a part where they're like, and it's all done by, like, I don't know, UFOs and extra, and he's like, what? <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I yeah. think, like you said, David Duchovny is a very... Fun job as surprised baby face Mulder. Yeah. And it's also fun to think about that. The, you know, we don't know. Again, I didn't watch the, the, the first Lone Gunman episode, but I know that these guys sort of came out of nowhere. And so it's cool to find out that Mulder sort of has always had a connection with them as long as has, he has been interested in the paranormal. Yeah. And that's kind of like in retrospect, because up until this point, they were using them as basically information, like exposition towers. Exactly. So it's fun to find out that they are more so like, you know, uh, they are connected over sort of being part of the same belief system yeah. uh, than just, oh, yeah, these are guys that I can go to if I want to do anything. Mm-hmm, exactly. So it's a really fun episode. I imagine this is not the only Lone, Lone Gunman focused episode. Um, No, but I think the rest of them are not as like missing Mulder and Scully. OK, because like the reason Mulder and Scully aren't in this is because of the movie. But like. They're in every episode. <laughs> Do you know if this was sort of the, again, like the the starting point of, oh, we could do a series after these guys? I think so. I think they they realized they had something. I don't think they've made the decision yet, but, you know, at least introduced them in a more succinct way. All right. Well, uh, we were not so succinct about that episode, but it was still really fun. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, folks, it is finally time. Finally. To open up the comic book that is postmodern Prometheus. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. We're back. 
Is that your share impression? That, I, how did you know? I just knew. I think you mentioned share last week on the episode. Did on, I? on the podcast? I don't remember, but I like I like got super pumped because I was like, "Wait till you see." Yeah. So let's talk about this. You mentioned this last week. So this is an episode that I have watched before. But to your point, I really did not have much interest in it. And you didn't have any context, I think. Yeah. There, is- I, from what I recall, it was something where, you know, I, I remember... I think you had to watch... Because I watched I watched Leonard Butts. I wrote, watched the post-Super Bowl episode because uh, I, yes. I did a podcast with Jordan And then Farhart. I just think I made you watch this. Yeah, you're like, me. oh, if you want to watch another X-Files episode. And I said, okay. And I was certainly interested by it but i will fully admit like i didn't remember any of it there were certain parts that were coming back to me when we were watching here. it's really i and to, to your credit i mean it's it's hard to get into this episode if you're because it is super standalone yeah and if you don't have the context of Mulder and scully there's a lot of like in jokes about how they react to things and i think you need to be on board with them as a pair as a unit of investigators to really like care what's happening here um but I, I mean, this is my favorite episode. It's so good. It's such an interesting so from this, start to finish. It's amazing. Yeah. So the X, this is the X Files take on Frankenstein. Yeah, to an extent. Yeah, to an extent. Because well, I think the modern Prometheus, I do believe, is a name of a Mary Shelley book. Mary? Yeah. So I think that it's, um, you know, it's definitely meant to have that. Um, they also wrote the script with uh with Cher in mind mm. and they couldn't get her. <laughs> well, because I I read that Chris Carter like went on a Cher binge for a while over yes. the summer and was like, Oh, it'd be fun to incorporate this in here. Yeah, and they also wanted Roseanne Barr to play the Oh what? Yeah, but oh, it dodged. Yeah, for sure. And the lady who plays the mom mm. is so amazing. She's yeah. like so great. So well, l- let's let's get into it because even yeah. this framing device Super strange, because we are in a comic book yes. called The Great Mutato. Yeah, which, I mean, I think it's just more about how they introduce, you know, like how they do Once Upon a Time and they have, like, the storybook. I don't think you're meant to think we're in a comic book. But... Well, it's interesting. Well, I think we'll get into that with the ending, right? Because isn't, yes. isn't the interpretation of the ending that, oh, no, that wasn't the real ending. This is part of the comic book. No, I, I mean, I never felt that. I always felt like this was the real ending, but, like, it, it had, it was like a, in a comic book way that it just all worked out that way, you mm-hmm. know? So I will say... I always like, thought it was like a cinematic thing. Yeah, I do find it interesting. Maybe maybe in, like, if this episode was not... In, it was 10 years later, they would have adopted more mm-hmm. comic booky types of things. Yeah, maybe. If it, if it was indeed, like, using, like, the panels or... Uh, because, really, we sort of have it at the beginning and end. But I think... It's a very fantasy-esque Show, uh, like episode though because it's all in black and white so i think you're just supposed to meant that it's all in that style and it's very fantastical and even yeah. the the music that's not share is like a weird sort of quirky music it really is the like, tenting is like very like um what's that movie big fish mm, like yeah, very yeah, that yeah. yeah i totally like almost larger than life yeah in, it's very fantastical regard. so here we are Izzy and Booger. Poor Bo- what a nickname. Poor I Booger. I love Booger. <laughs> Booger's great. And in the end of the episode, when you find out that they all have sort of like animal experimentations that were done on them, I guess, um, to try to get another Mutado, I like that he's the horse. <laughs> yeah, well, because he has the, the ponytail, right? Yeah. I read that a, particularly Izzy and his friends are not actors. They just found rando guys that they're like, oh, this would be fun to bring on. Yeah, so basically, um, 
they uh, just yeah i yeah i agree <laughs> yeah which is an interesting you know it's it's not unfounded uh going back to another david simon project like that was very much out of the wire of just finding people who were less so actors and more so people who fit the part and i think it, it works right. here where like you know izzy does not necessarily have to go through any major acting beats you're not going to the stanislavski school to grab someone if you're just like yeah, you kind of look like someone that would play, you know, a right. simple-minded hick. Yeah, a simple-minded hick who kind of looks like a bird. <laughs> I forget, just, so do they say where this takes place? Um, I don't remember. Because, yeah, there's an interesting sort of, like, suburbia quality to it, but also Izzy's mom, Shayna, it, like, talks with a southern accent. I think it's supposed to be in the Midwest. So it sort of is like that crossbreeding, for lack of right. a better term. <laughs> right, and, um, yeah, which is not a great stereotype but still Shayna. i mean <laughs> oh it's in indiana indiana uh yeah i feel like that makes sense in terms of again like a cross center of rural but not too rural yeah but also not too urban like they're going to a comic book convention yeah so they're probably driving some to like a, a more metropolitan area of indiana yeah i mean if we're talking about celebrity culture in this episode we got to talk about jerry springer yeah real jerry springer too real jerry springer and this also i think is a big sign of the times mm-hmm. where i think some people this was big <laughs> some people might say like oh the town reaction was too ott but like no, I mean, you and I were of a sound mind at, even at that point to know about, like, the culture surrounding yes. Maury and Jerry Springer. Yeah, it, it, and also just, like, the mob mentality. I mean, this is pre-social media, so this is what social media does today. Yeah. You know, by sort of putting things on TV and, and claim big claims and, you know, making things, like, um, very dramatic. Like, you're the father, you're not the father. Yeah, it's like, like watching the circus on television. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, oh, these are big sideshow acts, especially with this version of Jerry Springer, which is like, there's the wolf baby mm-hmm. and everything like that. So it's almost like watching the weekly world news come to life. Yeah. But at the same time, people almost idolize Jerry Springer because he brings so much weird entertainment. And he's on their TV. You know, it's like anybody on TV at this point in time was considered somebody to Exactly. It's it's one of those things where even, you know, and we grew up with this as well, even even though we were not from Indiana, where if you were being interviewed by the news for whatever reason, like the next day people were like, oh, I saw you on the news. Well, this is where, I mean, this is very important for you, but I think this is the idea where reality television comes from is that anybody can be on TV. Exactly. Then they move, we move into that in the early 2000s, but at this moment in time, not everybody can be on TV. So if you're on TV, it's very cool. It means like you're someone special. And so so when you're also given the opportunity to possibly be on TV, Mm -hmm, that means you're special. And so you're like, oh, this is great. So, yeah, basically this woman, Shayna, sees the the episode of Jerry Springer with uh, the wolf baby Mm -hmm. and hears about Mulder. And that's why she sends a letter to Mulder. Yeah, but before that happens, we see a fumigation tent (laughs) comes down. We see what looks like to be some sort of like urinal cake get put (laughs) on the stove. uh, And then a share song starts to play. Yes, which is... Honestly, from the, that second, you're just in. Yeah, because I was like, oh, this is weird. But you were getting jazzed by the song. I mean, I love Cher, and I think they, they chose some very good songs. They did, yeah. We should mention, yeah, so Cher originally didn't sign on to the episode because she was like... I don't know about this. Well, it's also because she was just, it was just, okay, you're going to sing at the very end. Mm-hmm. And she's like, uh, I wouldn't do this. But then I think she has said in retrospect, like, once I watched the episode and realized what it was, I realized I should have done it. Yeah, because, I mean, they basically... Not only is this about Frankenstein, but the the great Mutato is basically 
like similar to the character from Mask. Mask. Rocky. Yeah. Uh, who Cher plays Rocky's mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think the Great Mutata sort of like has an obsession with Cher. Yes, because it, of that. And because he sort of like represents this, this like caring parental figure mm-hmm. that he never really had. Yeah, beautiful artist, a, a woman who like cares about people, you know, all of that. So it should be noted that even though Cher doesn't appear, she did license three of her songs. She did. And the person at the end of the episode is in a Cher impersonator yeah or just like a stand-in because they don't know no, it's a share impersonator really they hire a share impersonator chad michaels maybe because she's doing all the like she's doing the movement i guess that's true yeah it's typical not shareism like, not just a woman in a wig uh d- shana's really i guess drawn into jerry springer because she does not notice the gas whatsoever yeah, this is wild late. that she's just like she's standing like, there and her house is on fire she's not paying attention to that yeah, she just starts coughing when smoke gets into the the room so like, oh, popcorn went down the wrong tube and we find out later that what is happening is that the uh, great mutato you think at first that he's the one doing this but it's his dad right that it's like oh essentially this is like a serial rapist i don't think he's having sex with these women i think he's artificially inseminating them right but i think the implication early on right, is that is he's like, this guy is like a rapist like a weirdo that yeah, goes into people's house ha- yeah. because all this because after the credits which i should mention i don't know i i kind of wish the credits were in yeah. black and white I well that's why a- i feel like they never do that though they never have credits like that i know but if like, you do things like you change the truth is out there message i know like, they the, never change the, the credits they don't even change the credits until- that's true poor mitch pelleggi <laughs> Yeah, he's never added. And then in the eighth season, I want to say, they add a totally new credits because it's the one without Boulder. So, yeah. Well, um, only when they were forced to. Yeah, only when they were forced to. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I want the old ones back. <laughs> but the reason why all this comes up a bit sketchy is because we see Mulder and Scully driving to town. Scully reads this letter that was yes. sent from Shayna. That was basically. Shayna Berkowitz. That was basically like, <laughs> even though, again, she has like a southern accent yeah. for someone named Shayna Berkowitz, mm-hmm. who basically said, like, she- oh, uh, something weird happened. Uh, I got conked out watching Jerry Springer, woke up three days later, now I'm pregnant. This well, happened no, so before she- with my son. Yeah, so she says that this happened mysteriously impregnated while unconscious by an unknown presence 18 years ago. Like, essentially, like an immaculate conception. Yeah, so, and then all of a sudden she has her son Izzy, and then she said it just happened again. Yep, exactly. Uh, and she heard about him from uh, Jerry Springer, so if you could please come and investigate. Yeah, uh, which I do love that idea as well, that like, <laughs> yeah, she, Mulder, I mean, Mulder's going to joke, should I get my own Wine 900 number? Not, kind of. Yeah, I would say, like, considering if he's getting TV exposure, it actually wouldn't be too bad of an idea. Yeah, and then so now they're on their way to rural Indiana. Yeah, so Shayna is, I'm so glad it's not played by Roseanne Barr for many reasons. Yes, I but agree. the character is... I would say the character is pretty simple, and I think mm-hmm. a good first hint as to this town, because I think this is different than something like War of the Coprophages, which yeah. also showed this idea of mob mentality, but not as, like, for lack of a better term, animalistic. Yeah. Here. Like, well, th- I mean, they're playing off the Frankenstein idea of everything. Right. But it's, it's a little more OTT. But yeah, they're all followers. They're all sheep. You know, everybody is just... <laughs> Some of them quite literally. Quite a, yeah, quite literally. But yeah, basically... She, I love the scene where she sits them down and she pours them like um, store brand soda. Yeah, but like a full glass. Of <laughs> yeah, it too. from a two liter bottle. That's so like early 90s to me. Yeah, like, I, and I do appreciate that they say, you know, oh, it took me a couple months to find out I was pregnant. Because that was my thing of like, how do you immediately know mm-hmm, you don't. that you're pregnant? Well, from experience, you typically don't. <laughs> exactly. So I'm glad they sort of went through that. But the weirdness comes from the fact, you know, Scully is really going to be her sculliest. Yeah, she's like, this is dumb. (laughs) This is dumb. 
obviously, like, you had sex without remembering it, but Shayna... Or bring, you were raped. <laughs> yeah, but Shayna brings up the fact that after she had Izzy, she had her tubes tied. Yeah, so she's like, explain that, and Scully will, and like... And also explain the empty jar of peanut butter. Yeah, and then she, so she basically walks around her house saying, and he ate all my peanut butter. <laughs> yeah, so I wonder, now that we know, was it just, like, the old man was hungry? Or? No, no. The Basically, the old man goes into the house to do these experiments, but brings the great Mutado with him so that he can experience life. So, it's, yeah, so it essentially is also like a bring your child to work day. Yeah, and so the, basically he's running around these people's homes, eating their peanut butter, dancing and hanging out while his dad is doing weird shit to the moms. Yeah, so he just he just really has an affinity for peanut butter specifically. Yes, right? exactly. Because they don't point out, like, you ain't my rump roast. It's like, nope. No, no, he likes, he peanut, just likes butter. peanut butter. Which... Everyone has their vices. Yeah, he's like a kid almost. He has a kid-like mentality. I wonder if the old farmer doesn't let them eat peanut butter at home. No, he does. He gives them a peanut butter sandwich. It's just his favorite food. Get over it. I'm I'm trying (laughs) to. It's an interesting choice. Well, fun fact. Let's move into Scully discovering the comic book. So, did you know that the Great Mutado is a comic book character created by... Matt, what's his face? Who created The Simpsons? Yes, Matt Groening. Yeah, I never know oh, how to say his name. Matt, what's his face? I never know how to say his last name. Yeah, because so, I, from what I read, so it seemed like there was an issue of like Simpsons comics, which had mm-hmm. the Great Mutado, uh, like as a character. Yeah, and so they wanted to use that, and he was like, "Fine, I don't well, care." <laughs> yeah. So, do you like it better as Mutado or Mutato? No, Mutato, because I like the way that Shayna says it. She goes, the Great Mutato. Yeah, I like that that pronunciation of it. The uh, Great Mutato. Yeah, and I think Mutato would make it some yeah. much more, less mutant, more potato. Yeah, exactly. So, the Great Mutato. Because would be a, a focus on, like, well, why is he a potato? Right, exactly. Even though his face is a little more lumpy and potato-like. <sighs> yeah, poor Mutato. Uh, we get a reference here to, again, this is not a uh, mythological episode, but Mulder does make reference here to him... Like, oh, you do you believe in all these alien abductions? And Mulder just points out, like, I'm not sure I believe in yeah, those anymore. Yeah, so it's like the only indication that other things have happened outside this episode. Which is, again, one of those things that you mentioned before that I now appreciate mm-hmm. upon having watched previous episodes, right? That we, only a few episodes ago, we got into that entire, entire Redux storyline where Mulder now is a bit more of a skeptic. Yeah, and I feel like the way that Scully acts in this episode is very typical Scully, but it's also this like classic Jillian Anderson eye roll that she does, and yeah, I love she's it. Giving a lot of face to to these, you know, freaky deeky. Yeah, it's people. very sassy, and I feel like you have an appreciation for that now. Yeah. So the Grey Mutado, though, they do they find him for a second, right? Because they go out into a field. Because uh, Izzy is, you know, someone who has drawn him in the past. Yes. They put out a sandwich. Well, basically, yeah, she. Gully finds the comic book and the mom is like, oh no, that's the great Mutato. And she's like, they are the same thing. Yeah. And Izzy like, comes this home. Is, this is literally what you described with yeah. the mouths and everything. And Izzy comes home and he's just like, oh. And she's like, well, how did you come up with this character? And he's like, well, I've seen him. And, yeah, and, he, and he says, like, everyone in town has seen him. Yeah, so why does the mom not know that? It's very yeah. weird. But Scully, as you said, believes all this is a hoax. This is So they're going to lay this quote-unquote trap mm-hmm. for Mutato. Because I guess they do this all the time. But basically she tells Mulder, like, this is just a hoax that the town came up with so they could be famous, like on Jerry Springer. Yeah, and uh, meanwhile, and I pointed this out because it, it's you don't notice it if you're watching for the first time, but Izzy does put a tape recorder, presses play, or yeah. presses record and puts it in his pocket. Because he's going to eventually leak this conversation yes. to the press. Yeah, so Scully's basically like, this is nonsense. But they put the peanut butter sandwich out, and he shows up. And takes he takes two bites, which is interesting Well, he to has me. two mouths. Well, yeah, but, like, I didn't realize the second mouth was 
functional. I think it's just for sillies. Yeah, I thought it was more so like, I feel like when you have things that are vestigial, you they know, don't. I, th- I think it's but just like it they does, don't do anything. I mean, if you see it, it's like a, it's a moving sort of mouth, so. Yeah, uh, I wish he talked out of both mouths. Yeah, or maybe like, he does. Maybe he like can do it, he'd be the best ventriloquist ever, because he could just cover up his second mouth and nobody would know that he's talking. I don't know if that works like that. <laughs> but as you mentioned before, I really like the goofy music that plays yeah. throughout this. That's uh, sort of like... It's very, do, like, do, 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 it's very do, much do. like, um, what is it, like Calliope music mm-hmm. from the circus, right? Yeah, like, circus, dun, dun, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, so I like that, too, because it makes it a little, like, quirky. Yeah, and a little more freaky. And speaking of freaky, as everyone chases after the great Mutato, high on a hill is a lonely goat herd uh, in the yeah. form of this, like, crotchety old man. Yeah, and he's, like, holding, like, a shovel or a gun. I don't forget what it is. But he's been, Get off of my property. Yeah, he basically says there are no monsters. And no, I've told no you, I've told you kids this before. The, there's no monster. And now he's get. not He's not lying. He doesn't think of him as a monster. Exactly. And he's very protective. But and he says you should go see Dr. Pol- Polidori. Polidori Pomolini? Polidori. Polidori. Okay. Francis Polidori. Played Francis by... Polenta. Played by John O'Hurley. Which is... He does such a good job here. He's so freaking good. So I read that John O'Hurley actually had auditioned a number of times for the X-Files in the past. Oh, but really? Chris Carter was like, this is not, like, this show isn't really for him, but yeah. this is this is perfect, right? Yeah. This is, like, soapy, soapy. over-the-top, uh, you know what? Like, <laughs> the way he talks is just so weird. <laughs> yeah, he's, well, he's very, I mean, that's the way reason why, like, he impressed so much as Jay Peterman on Seinfeld. Yeah. Very distinct and heightened way of talking. Yes. Where everything sounds incredibly dramatic and important. Yeah, and so he's going through this, like, I guess, speech about his... He's a geneticist, and he's doing a genetic experiment. He's, he's basically like a mad scientist, and that he is studying genetics, but also putting it into practice, where he's like, yeah. oh, I realized that the fruit flies sort of have almost, like, genetic sections to them. And, so, I, and so I thought, if I did experiments on, on the specific sections, I could crossbreed to make thing, whatever I wanted. Yeah, and so this is something that Chris Carter is... It's actually real. The fruit fly with legs in its mouth. Really? So, so that picture was real? He has a scientific advisor for the um for the show. Could have fooled me. <laughs> he does. He has a scientific advisor for the show, and I guess a friend of this scientific advisor was a geneticist who did this oh really yes. that's wild yeah so it's like a real thing if you like read about it a little bit but um you I talked mean, you talked about the Mulder and scully sort of like straight man aspect of this episode i do love the exchange that they yeah. give to each other as, as polenta goes and as you said like goes into this monologue like oh it's absolutely beautiful this fruit fly yeah. so this is what i did yeah, they're like, uh, what? <laughs> so, a little bit of Jurassic Park stuff here with, you know, why did you do it? Because I can. Yeah, he's like a modern-day Frankenstein, Victor Frankenstein. Exactly, and Frankenstein, please. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so, of course, we fall into our natural character beats, right? Where after this conversation, Mulder's like, I am fascinated with this Dan Scully. He's like, you're just drawn in by his sultry voice. This is yeah. all a crock. Yeah, but I mean, which is weird because I do think Scully should be a little bit more fascinated with genetics considering she's like a, apparently like a medical doctor, a medical doctor, but also like had done a bunch of genetic experiments. I just think she is now, I think she thinks at this point she's being punked. Yeah, that, which like, every, this whole town is trying to. Trick and they're her. all acting so strange. Like it's rural Indiana. So it's like a very weird vibe to begin with. I mean, to that point, again, if we're cutting to the soapiness, we follow Dr. Yes. Pomodoro home. Holidary. Uh, where he's in this like, very dramatized, strained relationship with his wife. Right? Yeah. Like, so where are you going? I'm. I've told you. I'm leaving. Yeah. 
But, uh, but I have work to do. I, but can't we have children? No, I told you that we can't. These mewling little monsters. Yeah, he's one of those guys that's like all about his work. So he doesn't want to have kids because that's going to like um, take away from his work, I guess. Yeah, well, and also I think Why is he even married? The irony, though, is that like he's doing all this genetic manipulation, yet he hates offspring, right? Yeah, and he like, I don't even know why this woman married him. Like, he seems like the worst. He seems like an off... An- absolutely terrible she probably person. married him because he was like a doctor and one of those things you know and oh a doctor okay i won't dive further into what that means yeah so just show me that doctorate baby. yeah exactly and then she realizes he's like not all that but anyway we should also talk about the aesthetic of the house right because we see it more oh lord it is just so garish choice yeah so the whole house is covered in this like really garish wallpaper even from a black and white perspective yeah you can tell it's probably like a yeah. few screen or and something. it like looks like it's decorated for christmas time there's like yeah, garlands everywhere garlands with lights, lights. Yeah. yeah so you could tell maybe it's just this this lady sort of Fairy. To plant this idea of like yeah. oh it's christmas every day i don't i, I doubt it's happy. i doubt it's like christmasy it's probably like more like a fairyland vibe <laughs> Because it's like, they're not really like Christmas garlands, they're like flowers. So mm-hmm. it's like very, like a very, yeah, like twinkle lights and, you know, floofy. Yeah. So as she sort of probably has a like, hundred pillows on the bed. At, well, speaking of the bed, like after he leaves, she like throws herself on the bed. Yeah, she's right? crying. Like, there's no, there's no fainting couch. of like, oh my God, my miserable existence. And down come the fumigation tents. Yes. And so the same thing happens to her. Um, she's knocked unconscious and attacked. Yeah. But. You're speaking about how freaky deaky the town is. We see it here as Mulder yes, at the goes, diner. goes into the diner. At JJ's with two J's. <laughs> that's J- with two J's. Uh, I guess, I wonder if Parks and Rec, obviously there was JJ's diner. Yeah. I wonder if that's a reference to it. I don't think so. But, it's but we still- see everyone gawking at him, for yes. lack of a better term, right? Like, they're all smiling and staring at him because they're basically, because he, he's famous, right? There was an article well, in the paper yes, so that was like, Oh, FBI agents come to town. Uh, and so everyone assumes this means we're going to be f- on TV. Exactly. So they're all giving him whatever he wants, which is nothing. He just wants coffee. But they give him like this full diner breakfast. And they're like, are you going to get us on Jerry Springer? And like asking him all these questions. Yeah, cause, and Because so, Izzy leaked their tape conversation. Yes. And they focus less, though, I think, on the Scully part and more so on the Mulder part. Yeah, which right? is like, like... This is what they're thinking. Yeah, exactly. And so... He is there. He's they're everybody's favorite right now. So it should also be noted, though. So they go back, confront Izzy about it. Izzy's going to play the conversation on the tape recorder, which also picks up something else, which I'm intrigued by. He, he, the, the share. Yeah, Mutato singing to share. Yeah. When did he record that? So I think what happened was when uh, Izzy left, maybe he left the tape recorder on. Mm. And then it recorded it while it was happening. I don't think like so. Like he partially taped over it yes. because he was recording Mulder and Scully, yeah. and he just happened to like catch a snippet. Of yeah, Mutato there's singing exactly. Along. There's probably like a whole like tape that's missing of Mutado singing along. I gotta say, Mutado's a pretty good karaoke performer, right? Like he yes. was selling it to no one in particular because now we cut. Yeah, I guess this is when he's really letting go when he yeah, gets to I guess like, go cut, into these houses. We cut back to the, I guess that night, right when he's in the same house as the doctor's wife, and he's just like dancing. He's in his feeling is out. I love right him now. dancing, and it's just With I think or without you. Yeah, so I I do really love that, and I think that's when you get the vibe that like he's not a like a rapist. Like you're like there's clearly something else going on. Either here. that or this is some sort of like clockwork orange, yeah, freaky deaky bullshit where someone's taking I never the light that in vibe. very dark things. I you can't feel that when you hear Cher. Yeah, but <laughs> also I know that again, like let's look at home. Mm-hmm. The X Files is certainly capable of doing yes, dark things. but they don't use Cher as. 
the backing music. Yeah, but they do use some yeah, like, very I guess. plaintive 50s music. I just music. think there's something about Cher that's like very just so happy you can't like, you just can't use it that way. This is when Mulder invokes the title, right? He's going to talk about the mm-hmm. postmodern Prometheus, which I guess again is a reference to like, this situation is happening, but in a very different 90s-like yes. fashion. Yeah, so it's a modern-day Frankenstein situation. But they find on the stove, just as she said, Shana said, something had been burnt. Burning. And so they, they're they going to get it tested, because they actually have the residue this time. She didn't clean the thing like Shana yeah. did stupidly. And so as they're driving along with Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves playing. Oh, uh, so good. Such a great song. I would well, say so they pull up to the house. Yeah, so they're driving along, right? And Mulder, <laughs> Mulder has a brain blast. He's like, uh, what would be something that would allow someone to like get gassed out but for well, no one to notice it. it at all and he sees the fumigation yeah and, so and then he's like he's let's like, pull let's look, let's look into it yeah and then gypsy's champs that they've started playing it's so amazing yeah i would say that was that was the best song of the episode but of course we got to talk about the one later on yeah oh, yeah so yeah Mulder and scully they're they're charging in but i think maybe they uh they acted before they thought because they're they very quickly collapse from the gas yeah they forget that it's gas so yeah like even if the fumigation tent like even if it was just a regular fumigation thing you're still wandering in without a, a gas mask on or something to cover your mouth yeah and basically at the end of this investigation polidari's like why are you in my house um you should be going to see my my father but he doesn't right because well, they're yeah because they're met well first of all they're met by the old man wearing a gas mask uh, who yes. said briefly, like, uh, you know, I told you, ain't no monster. Well, I don't think they remember that, though. No, but we see him. Yes. And then when they wake up, you have just have general, what are you doing in my house? Yeah. <laughs> and also, he does, he just, he does such a great job, John O'Hurling General, of just delivering the, oh my God. Yeah. But the residue that was on the thing basically leads them to the father. But before yeah. that, but he goes to visit his dad, right? Yeah, but first there's there's a really there's a fun scene that you like oh, yes. you, you lolled at where they're confronting Molly and Skull Moldy. No, that's been a while since I've done the whole uh, Moldy yeah. thing. But they they're talking with them about like yeah. what exactly happened here, and he like stands up too quickly. He stands up too quickly and knocks over a shelf, which yeah. is great physical comedy. But also there's this one moment yeah. where Mulder says like your wife may be pregnant, and you see the she wife just like pops up. Pops up like, my dreams yeah she like true. smiles super big this actress is like really funny she's so cheesy but i yeah. love it it's it's, she's again, like, <gasps> it's so soapy but like i'm, I'm just into it's this hilarious so much yeah she's like stoked that she might have been raped <laughs> so this is where yeah this is where we get the reveal that mutato is at least being taken care of by yeah, the, the old farmer yeah the dad comes downstairs and he this is where he's watching he eats the sandwich right yeah, he's, while he's watching mask he's Aww. like well don't stay up too late watching your movie he's don't rum- stay up too late son He's ruminating on this photo album of all these pictures yeah. with him. So he's clearly had him since he was little. Yeah, and but here comes uh, you know John O'Hurley coming mm-hmm. in, and we get another exchange of like, "Why? Because I can." Yeah, and he's like, but basically John O'Hurley's like, "Why? Like you shouldn't have done that." Like yeah, insinuating and- that he meant to kill this thing that he created and so he kills him yeah so he kills his own dad which he is kills pretty his rough own dad, which you know uh, spencer makes some points about how like this old farmer uh was doing some pretty shady stuff but he didn't kill anyone like his son he did. didn't kill anyone and he also seemed to be a very nice man taking care of um somebody who probably wouldn't have had anyone yeah, and that's all he was doing, was just trying to create, like, a bride of Frankenstein in a manner of speaking. Exactly, yeah. Which, again, not great, but also not as bad as murdering your own dad. <laughs> what a difference a day makes here. It seems like another story has now come out that is now picking up on the Scully side of things, where now the headline is, like, FBI claims it's a big old hoax. 
And now Mulder is getting the cold shoulder. He's getting his food, like, outwardly spit in. Coffee is getting poured on him. So clearly this shows, again, uh, very, very uh, timely today, even, of how, like, one yeah. minute you're on top, and the next minute you are the uh, the the person who gets like lambasted on the internet. Exactly. So very much so mob mentality, and they I like that they <laughs> they have like actual pitchforks and torches. It's, yeah, like, we'll, we'll see that. It's, it's very much Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, right? later like, on. Yeah, Ray Johns, Ray John knives. Uh, we find out for a hot second here that you know we get a brief second where Izzy. You know, the town gets riled up because... Yes, Izzy, Izzy like, has ordered it, a custom mask of the great Mutado because he he designed the character. It's exactly. probably just for his comic book. You but know? everyone's like, oh, look what this guy's doing. There's a really fun shot where it cuts back to Izzy and he's uh, behind the glass of the post office putting his mouth up to Yeah. Him. This is, again, a reminder of, like, these are very simple people. Simple people is the best way... To describe it. <laughs> so they find their way back to the farm because the test results reveal that the, the yes. urinal cake was an aesthetic, an anesthetic that's for farm animals. typically used on farm animals. And you have to register with the, the FDA to get it. And or- also, like, there's only one farmer in this town, basically. Y- yes, and so he has it, and they go there, and they basically discover that he has been murdered. Well, no, they, yeah, so they, because we see Mutado find him first, right? And oh, right, right, right. He goes buries to him. bury him in the barn. And so they're going to find their way to the barn. But they, they're, and then the bird lady tells them. So yeah, so this is a bird lady, quite literally. They find there's this, like, bookish, bird-like newspaper reporter in the alcove, right? So did, at any point, you realize that she was a bird? So I noticed that... She was the one that was doing the most work. Yeah, because I noticed specifically in this conversation, because we've seen her a couple times, right? Like she Yeah, was, from she an was, acting perspective. She was in on all these crimes. She's scenes, been a bird. But, but the way she was looking around, I was like, even, like, even more than a bird, I said, oh, she kind of is looking around like a chicken. Yeah, very, like, like bobbing I mean, her head. She was doing a lot of work with her neck. Yeah, so, I mean, it was a little over the top, because the rest of the characters who are animalistic are not doing that. No, so. because they're more so the looks, yeah. right? Like, Booger has the long well, hair. Well, she has the look, too. She has, like, a really pointed nose that's clearly prosthetic, and she has, um, like, big eyes, and she has this, like, weird hair. Yeah, and it also doesn't and she's wearing that, feathers. That of those characters that I mentioned, she's really the only one who talks. Yes, true. So she also has to represent it through the way that she well, speaks. Well, Izzy talks, and he's a pig. Yeah, but Oh, I guess that's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, as she's talking about this, here comes Gaston. Uh-huh. John O'Hurley could have played a good Gaston yeah. when he was younger. True. Uh, so basically, the villagers are going to, like, ransack the barn, right? Because they believe that Mutato mm-hmm. murdered the old man, and so they're going to get revenge. Yep. Um, but... But they uh, but they accidentally burn it down. They burn the farm down. Yeah, so this was, like, wild to me. This is supposedly taking place in modern day. They do have flashlights and lanterns, but in addition, they have fire torches that they bring into a wooden barn. Yeah. Which, wild assumption. simple-minded people. They're cross You keep saying animals. that, but this is dumb. <laughs> Maybe this is a step away from it. Yeah. They're like, wait a minute, fire in, on wood? Well, then the one this. guy screams, the barn's on fire! <laughs> yeah, so there's chaos going on around them. But then we yes. finally get like, well, first we get uh, John O'Hurley's side of things, right? Of like, yeah. oh, you must have killed him. Uh, my father created this mutant, which is yeah. Bold, so they find the lie. Yeah, they basically he says the he says it's my father and that he must have killed him, not um, not John O'Hurley, which is like very much so not the case. Exactly, but Mutato finally talks he's not just singing share he well, can yeah, speak so as well scully and Mulder find him first in his like little house and they on the prairie on the prairie and they basically discover his little share shrine 
And remember, say hashtag share shrine, share shrine. Um, and then they basically, um, do speak with him. You know, eventually he comes out and says, like, that 25 years ago, like, he was created as a genetics experiment by him, by yeah. Dr. Polidari, and that, you know, that unbeknownst to the doctor, the father took him in and saved him. Right, because essentially he was like, this was a failed experiment. Yeah, he was going to throw him away. Yeah, by that I mean kill him. Yeah. And so basically he reveals that, okay, my quote-unquote father, technically grandfather, but adopted father, uh, worked on creating a mate mate for me. So that's why these townspeople resemble animals. Because he's been trying to create hybrids from farm animals for 25 years. Which, Which so, is wild. So are we to believe then that the parents of these people are farm animals? No. So I think what he's doing is taking like human DNA and farm animal DNA and then using that to insert like basically probably taking human sperm, yeah. splicing it with farm animal DNA and then artificially inseminating women. But like, for example, is Izzy's father a pig? Maybe, but maybe a pig and a human. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's weird. That's a little, like, I don't uncanny. think that would work. I think it would be like he would have to take, like, pig DNA and then splice it with, like, human sperm. And, you know, I don't know much about genetics, but I know, right. I know need, more than they probably We do. need a Chris Carter science correspondent <laughs> yeah. here. But anyway, I mean, I don't think you're supposed to look too much into it. And other than he was doing, uh, he was trying to recreate the experiment that his son did to give the great Mutato a mate, but the son is basically like, I I can't recreate you. You were a mistake. Exactly. And so he's just like, all I was doing was just hanging out at your houses. I, I'm, I didn't do anything. Yeah. So the townspeople realize he's not a monster after all, but Dr. Polidari is because he's arrested for the murder of his father. He does still have like a smile on his way out though. So like he's not, I don't think he's even remorseful. No, he's just like, he's also like, He's a little full of himself. And he's also just, like, like fixed in the head. Yeah. You know, he's like, ah, I'm brilliant. Yeah. And he's, he thinks that he did right, you know? Yeah. So now Scully and Mulder are, are standing around, and this is, again, where I think the ending debate comes in, right? Because Mulder's like, this is not how the story ends. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in Frankenstein, the monster goes off to find, find a bride. To find a bride. I need to talk to the writer. Yeah. And so then we cut to this, like, convoy of cars driving yes. out of town i don't think this is fake though i think he was just saying i gotta talk to the writer like saying it's silly so that he could um f- figure out with izzy how to get this guy to a share concert like i think he just used izzy as a like a helper even if even if it's fake i'm fine with it you know like i'm i'm happy i love this ending because you know what x files is a great show it's a spooky show it's a weird show I want some freaking happiness, people, okay? Yeah, exactly. I, just, I think we deserve it. Yeah. And I think, fake or not, we get it here as we hear Cher's incredible cover of Walking in Memphis playing, which, like, mm-hmm. makes one you, of my favorites. Makes you smile from ear to ear to third ear. Walking in Memphis. Yeah, and so we, we start with just, like, them sitting in the car, right? And, like, Mutata's in the back seat and, like, exchanging smiling glances with Mulder and Scully. And then we see this like small venue where Cher's performing and it does this really fun thing, which seems so different than anything the X-Files yeah. has done where it just like zooms into the audience and their mutato is fist he's, pumping yeah, he's fist with pumping. both arms to the course. Well, of because they're doing Memphis. a long shot from the back and overhead of the performer. So right. it's very like hard for them to do 
to zoom in quickly, and so it looks really cool, though, yeah, the way no, it's, it's done. It's ridiculous, but it, like, has me smiling so much, because there's so much joy. It's so goofy, yet yeah. heartwarming at the same time. Anyway. So, like, he's high-fiving Mulder. I've done some research for you. Um, the person impersonating Cher, her name is Tracy Bell, and she's a Canadian comedian impersonator and impressionist. Oh! And she is... Uh, known for her live impersonations of celebrities like Cher, Marilyn Monroe, Madonna, Liza Minnelli, Tina Turner, Janis Joplin, which is weird because she's white. How could she be Tina Turner? Um, and Dolly Parton. So, um, yeah, there you go. So she, but she's, but she didn't sing the song. Like she's an impressionist of Cher, but yes, she, she didn't sing that song. I mean, that's just an over. She just has the look down. Yeah, exactly. We should also mention here. I'm sure she sings in shows. You know, yeah. we should also mention here at the end. Uh, I know that Brendan Fitzpatrick ma- referenced this, and I, I looked it up as well. That the person who plays. The Grey Mutato mm-hmm. is not a newcomer to the X-Files. No, he is not. He plays the young cigarette-smoking man, and his name is something Owens. Something Owens. That is that is wild to me. Chris Owens. That they say, oh, I guess you know they know that he's good, right? Because we saw the young cigarette-smoking man uh, most prominently in Musings of a Cigarette-Smoking Man. Mm-hmm. He popped up again in uh, Demons. So, like, I guess they had him on the Rolodex, but it's wild to me that they're like, yeah, just use him. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, he's really good at it. He does a great job. Yeah, but you and you can't recognize him at and all. And is that his voice too? Do you think? I would imagine so. I'm, yeah, I mean, I like, would imagine when you put on the prosthetic, you might not even need to put no. on a voice. <laughs> yeah, you just like talk it's through really, the muffled. Oh, this is so. This is so much fun. Like this is my favorite part of the episode yeah, too. And, and then we also cut to you know around the town. For example, we have mm-hmm. uh, Shayna and the doctor's wife are now on Jerry Springer yes. with their mutant babies, but they love their they mutant love babes. their mutant babies. Um, and yeah, they're all dancing and they're all being so happy. And, um, then we see Scully and Mulder dance. Yeah. So, so basically Cher uh, takes the great Mutato up to, I guess, dance on stage. Yeah, dance on stage. I mean, they probably told her, like, it was probably like a, you're a fan, come on stage thing. Yeah. Make a wish type of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, Mulder is going to offer his hand and Scully's going to take it and they're, they're going to dance. But in the best, like, most non-romantic, yeah. romantic way. That's the thing that I, I know I mentioned before, particularly in that scene outside the hospital room in yes. season four. I was like, I'm not feeling this. Now you feel it. I felt it a little bit. I felt it a smidge. I always feel it at this moment, and it makes my, like, heart sore. I'm just so happy. Yeah, which again, like... Because it's the perfect encapsulation of their relationship, where it's like, they care about each other so much, and they're so happy in this moment, and it's not about something sad. And that's the thing as well. I realize when we cut to, again, that that really fun shot of them in Mm -hmm. the audience... I don't think we've ever really had a time in the X-Files where both Mulder and Scully are like smiling. They're like grinning, yeah, ear to ear, because I'm sure they were having fun filming this, Yeah, too. and also genuinely grinning, right? It's yeah. not like a, oh my god, can you believe this? Like, yeah, they were no, both they're genuinely fun. enjoying themselves. Yeah, so I think, I mean, this is my favorite episode, and I hope uh, it also is yours now. I mean, I really enjoyed it. It's tough to say. I think I'm... I'm I'm probably will be unable to identify my favorite episode yeah, after all true. this, but that's I think it's true. definitely up there, because... Again, I think it's more freaky than scary. I think it's a nice break from the alien stuff that still makes reference to it. I think Mulder and Scully are being Mulder and Scully. Mm-hmm. It's a weird-ass mystery. And it has, real or not, a really like lifting ending. And I know that some people might say that's not X-Files, but like, yeah. I don't care, to be yeah. completely honest. I, I like light heartwarming things this was a light heartwarming ending yeah, i mean there's there's an element of bittersweetness to it and that like he'll, he's like different and not accepted and all of that but i think the fact that it like ends in this way is just uh well let's talk spook of the Wait, week no. for a second unusual suspects 
Uh, is it Sudan Modesky? Yeah, I guess she's pretty spooky. It's either her or it's X at the end. I'm gonna say Sudan Suzanne Modesky because she like comes in right like she, yeah. she's full in on the conspiracy stuff. She really makes an impression. Totally. And then postmodern Prometheus, we got a lot of choices. I here. think John Hurley. You think Doctor? Yeah, he's Pom-pom. not the great. Yeah, he's not the greatest. He's not the greatest. He's also like. He, I think he also brings that dread right in the way that he delivers things. Like it was a dark and stormy night. Yeah, I think it's he's he's my spook of the week. So where do we go from here? How do you follow up those two episodes? The answer is you just go to the next two episodes. Yeah. So the next two episodes are like the opposite direction. Okay. How, how so? <laughs> in uh, mood. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad we they, got a little bit of light. They ain't funny. <laughs> All right. Well, we got our our giggles out here, so we're going to be covering. Quite literally the next two episodes in season five. We're doing episode six, Christmas Carol, and episode seven, Emily. Christmas Carol is interesting. <laughs> yeah. Do we do we know did it air during Christmas? Yeah, it's a Christmas themed episode. Too. I guess they, I guess they, if it if it uh started in the fall, I guess yeah, it would, it's uh, tangential to Christmas. Christmas, I should say. It's not Christmas themed. <laughs> All right, well that should be fun. We've never had like an X Files holiday special before. Yeah, I th- it's not a holiday special again, but um, it's... Ooh, I wonder if there'll be, like, Aliens of Christmas I will past. say that I do think Bill uh, Scully appears in this episode. Oh! Old little fam- Bill little Scully family Jr. So, we shall see. So, again, next week, episode six, Christmas Carol, episode seven, Emily. You know what to do if you have thoughts. X-Files at postshowrecaps.com, Bloomfiles at postshowrecaps.com. Uh, going through all this stuff you already know at this point, at Ange Pelagi at a Mike Bloom type, at Post Show Recaps on Twitter. If you want to let us know your thoughts about these two big episodes and the episodes coming up as well. Uh, season five is already off to a very fun start. Again, I enjoyed season four, but I'm happy to have a bit of lightness here, at least to start. Seems like we're going back in the season four direction next week. Yeah, sorry. That's, no, it's okay. <laughs> I, re- I really like these episodes, though. I think they, they're they're well done. It was a good week, you know? I feel yeah. like... It's the equivalent of listening to a share song. I feel invigorated. I feel empowered. Great. Speaking of music, special thanks to Corey B for the excellent theme song to the Bloom Files, which you're listening to right now. We're going to be back next week with Christmas Carol and Emily. Thank you all so much for listening. Until next week, case closed. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.